0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Episode 335 of Monster Kid Radio with a song from the band His Master's Voice. They're a spaghetti surf band in San Francisco, California. This is the song... Tasa Roja from their self-titled album. You can find them at his masters voice sf.bandcamp.com or on Facebook or just follow the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net That's the website for the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I am your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook. I am wearing a loincloth because it is still sword and sandals and Monsters Month here on Monster Kid Radio. We're two weeks in. This is the second week and we're going to keep the conversation going. Last week i had chris mcmillan on the show and we talked about the movie hercules against the moon men well that movie is released on a dvd from something weird video with another movie and that movie is the witch's curse which is the movie we're talking about this week on the show It's from 1962 it's directed by ricardo frida and it's a weird one. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, though. I don't want to spoil the conversation that you're going to hear with me and Chris. Chris, of course, is the man behind the Shadow Over Portland website, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well, as well as a few other things. But before we get to all of that, you have some feedback. Hello, Derek. This is Cameron. Uh, I'm a longtime lurker, first time caller. Because of your show, I've really sort of gotten into the old school classic horror and monster films. So when you mentioned in your rallies awards that you use this as a checklist, that's basically what I've been doing for the past few years. And I'm really excited to go through the winners of this year's ballot. And I'm really looking forward to see how 1954 turns out just because of how loaded with the movies like Gojira, Creature, and then you mentioned as well some strong Dark Horse picks like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Also, because I'm so new to this, I'm still toe-dipping into a lot of these different subgenres, and your mentioning of the sword and sandals is something I've never really had any experience with, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what this month brings. Your episode with Chris on Hercules and the Moon Men got me really excited, and I'm going to see if I can track some of these down, because it just sounds like a ton of fun. Thanks. Really enjoy the show and keep on being a fan. Cameron, thanks for calling in. And more importantly, thanks for listening to the show. I'm glad to have you out there and I'm glad I'm steering you towards some incredible films. I hope you found some good ones and you're enjoying yourself. And yeah, I think using the rallies, the rally award ballot as a checklist of some of the best movies each year has to offer. I think that's a great way to go. In fact, I want to make sure that the actual results for the rallies are available for everybody to see. So stay tuned. I've actually been contacted by Mark Bailey, who's been on the show in the past as well, about what the ballot looked like and who actually won. They want something in writing. Well, you can go back and you can listen to the episode we did with Steve Sullivan. It was just a couple weeks back, episode 333, to hear the announcement of the winners. But, like I said, stay tuned. I'm thinking probably by this weekend, I can have something up over at monsterkidradio.net. At the very least, I'll have it on Facebook, breaking down who won what. I've got the results. I just want to make it look pretty for you guys and gals. And I'm curious, Cameron, were there any movies on the ballot that didn't win that you thought should win or vice versa? I do think next year's is going to be very difficult with, like you said, Godzilla, Creature from the Black Lagoon. How do you pick your favorite monster? Well, I know how I'd pick mine. But how do you guys and gals pick your favorite monster between those two? (sighs) So the Sword and Sandal movies, you know, one of the things that I love doing about the show is discovering other mini kind of sub, 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 sub genres. Within the monster kid radio wheelhouse or or the types of movies that we normally cover, I could go on and on and on about creature. And I have. And if you've been listening to the show for any length of time or even just a few weeks, you know that I will go on and on and on about creature or Godzilla or any of these other movies that I absolutely love and I love talking about them with people and getting them excited about seeing these films. But I also enjoy learning about some of these movies that I've overlooked or I've missed. And that's what I hope I'm bringing to the table with sword and sandals and monsters month. Having Chris on to talk about it was just a lot of fun. Like I say in the recording, like I've said before, Chris has been with the show from the very beginning. Episode number one features him. Now that was a few years back. And it was a blast. And it's kind of fitting because Chris and I actually just did another similar thing last weekend. We'll talk about that uh, later on here in the show. Cameron, thank you for calling in. I really appreciate it. And Mark, thank you for mentioning the rallies as well. And like I said, I'm going to get something out probably by this weekend. But we'll see. Just keep checking back. And no, that's not a tease or a way for me to get you to keep coming back to the website. But do keep checking back. Also, just uh, something that I was hoping we can maybe talk about real quick. I did get contacted by a listener who lives in Missouri, and he wanted to know if there were any in person groups, Godzilla, monster movies, Monster Kid type groups in the area. He'd like to connect with people in person. Now, I think the internet's great. I think Facebook is amazing and having these awesome social media channels, podcasting, email, all that is great. But sometimes you just want to get with somebody in person and talk monster movies over a cup of coffee or go watch something at the theater or something like that. So if you're a Facebook user, let's start it there first. Post up where you're from. And if anybody's in your area, maybe you can meet up and do a real life in-person Monster Kid Radio crash. I think it'd be a lot of fun to do that. I know that I love meeting up with people in person to talk about these movies. I hope you guys and gals can find somebody to do that with as well. Okay, why don't we go ahead and get back to the conversation that Chris and I started last week about The Witch's Curse and a few other things. We're going to get to all of that right after this. (laughs) Twins
1: of Evil. The most fearsome females in horror history. One uses her beauty for love. One uses her lure for blood. Twins of Evil, rated off The Supermates couldn't stop it. It's amazing. It's incredible.
0: The Fire and Water Network couldn't contain it.
1: We didn't come here to fight with monsters. We're not equipped for it.
0: The House of Frankenstein returns in... 4
1: days. They meet at the castle and hold debauched gatherings.
2: Four blood-curdling episodes.
1: Four classic horror films.
2: Four supernatural adventures with
0: your favorite superheroes.
1: Four chances to lose your mind with sheer terror.
0: Starring Lon Chaney Jr. When the
1: full moon rises, I turn into a werewolf with only one desire in my mind. To kill. John Carradine. I am Count Dracula. I'm known to the outside world as Baron Latos You see before you a man who lived for centuries Kept alive by the blood of innocent people
0: Julia Adams Please what is it you found? I don't
1: know what you call it It sounds incredible but It appeared to be human Peter Cushing This place has been accursed To the evil of some who abide here
2: And at long last Vincent Price Nine killed you
1: Thine shall die and be returned your loss. Coming in September and October to the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I can't wait. There isn't time. There isn't time. House of Frankenstein. 4-D. My work is nearly finished. Go now. Destroy all I have created. (laughs) history of civilization is filled with legends. Legends of oppression, legends of cruelty, legends of beauty, and legends of strength. And the most fantastic of all legendary figures was the son of Samson. Only the son of Samson could have been capable of the superhuman feats of strength credited to this giant who conquered man and beast to redeem a tortured race from the clutches of its enslavers. Only the son of Samson could have withstood the enticing beauty of the bewitching Delilah of his moment in history. And spectacle of this era comes to you in blazing color and total scope with a cast of thousands headed by Mark Forrest and Cello Alonso. Excitement surpassing anything ever before seen on the screen. Intrigue tautly woven into a fabric of suspense. Sultry, impassioned romance as torrid as the Sahara sun that stirs the blood of these desert people. This is a motion picture spectacular beyond belief. In color and total scope, you must see Son of Samson.
0: This is Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. You know how the children of the night, ah, I mean monster kids, can get sometimes. So consider yourself
1: warned. And don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that
0: pesky
2: von Helsing.
0: And can we switch gears and talk a little bit about the Witch's Curse? I figured we're
2: heading there. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You said something to me uh, before we started recording, or maybe I was just testing the mics, I'm not sure, but before we officially started, you said you liked the Witch's Curse a little bit more than Hercules Against the Moon Men. Yes. Yes. Explain yourself, sir. No, you don't. (laughs) I am curious, though. We have to compare the two because they're released on DVD together. They have a couple of connections, like the composer. I don't know if they were released on a double bill or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. What do you think?
2: I'm not real sure. Um, I think what really made me enjoy the movie is basically the opening credits, you know, fire and it's all that. And then... Where do we go? 1500 Scotland. (laughs) What? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, why is this on a sword and sandal film? This
0: movie is all over the map or Uh, timeline. It is, what?
2: (laughs) So we've got them burning a witch. She curses the town, Uh, of course. We go ahead 100 years. So now we're in the 1600s in Scotland.
0: And it still feels very Puritan-like. It could have been the American colonies. It's got that kind of vibe.
2: It could have been anywhere in Europe. You know, it had to, that's yeah, true. I think it looked like at points they were mixing and matching clothes just to make give it that period look.
0: <laughs> what do we have access to in the closet this week? Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah.
2: But anyway, you know. so the town is cursed. The women are going crazy and trying to kill themselves. They're all in a little asylum that the towns had to make because that's the curse. Someone comes in, now it's never really clear if she's related, why they go to the old witch's castle, but she has the same name as the witch, right?
0: Oh no, well that'll doom ya.
2: And it does, because the villagers decide, well, we're gonna hang ya, that'll break the curse.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: So we're 15 minutes in the film, and all of a sudden, Machista shows up in a loincloth and boots.
0: So at the beginning of our conversation in the last episode, <laughs> you were telling me about Machista and what you learned about Machista having this rich literary and storytelling background that mm-hmm. he wasn't always a sword and sandal guy. No. Here's an opportunity to show us a non-sword and sandal Machista. Do the filmmakers do it? No, nope. nope. <laughs> He shows up in 1600 Scotland. with in a, a loincloth.
2: <laughs> and no one bats an eye.
0: Is somebody there even knows who he is? No. Oh, Machiste, you're here to help us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like going,
2: oh, this is going to be a crazy
0: one. This one is really weird. You know, I think Hercules Against the Moon Men probably makes the most narrative sense in terms of traditional storytelling. And it feels a little more slick in terms of his production. And I don't know if mm-hmm. it's a result of the transfer, not being as good for the witch's curse or what, but the witch's curse is just weird, man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, and I think that's, that's what makes it more interesting for me than Hercules versus the moon, myth, or uh-huh. against the moon, myth. because you know I mean? It's just bizarre. Because what happens is they hold a trial for the woman. The witch's curse comes in, you know, she puts her hand on the Bible to swears she's never done witchcraft and the Bible ignites. So she's going to be burnt at the stake.
0: Which was actually a really cool sequence. I thought that was very well done. And her acting, uh, the way she reacts to it, uh, mm-hmm. the actress being named uh, Vera Salenti, I believe.
2: Yeah, I, something, yeah.
0: Her reaction to the burning book. I mean, there was real fear there. I thought it was really well done.
2: Oh yeah, she did a great job, and it could be because you know she had her hand on a burning book. She, who won't well, be afraid. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's all special effects. You'll be fine. Why is everyone standing off camera with fire extinguishers? Okay. <laughs> uh, so Machiste goes to the cursed tree where all the women try to hang themselves, and does spend a little time uprooting it. So we a get little another. Time. Yeah, pardon.
0: A little time.
2: Yeah, it's another one of those uh, flexing and grunting moments because he tries it with his back to it, tries lifting it upward. <laughs> you know, he's 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 working it.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and this Machiste is played by Kirk Morris. Uh, yes. Like a lot of the characters, again to reference the spaghetti westerns, the Ringos, the Jangos, the Sartanas, and such. A lot of times different actors would fill the role that would be eventually called these. Well, in this case, this Machise is played by Kirk Morris, who, is, again, is another one of these muscle men types who did a number of these movies, who would play Hercules or Samson or Ulysses, maybe. Yeah. I just did a number of these movies.
2: And what's interesting is for the first half hour, he doesn't have any dialogue.
0: It was by design.
2: Yes, it was. You did. You read that, too.
0: Yeah. The director is not a big fan of his voice.
2: Voice or acting ability, one of the two.
0: Something. I mean, and considering that this movie was going to be dubbed and released in international markets.
2: That's saying something. (laughs) I'm going to have to side with the director on this because, you know, I mean, um, Frida's done a lot of really good movies. Yes. So I I have the feeling he probably knew what he was talking about.
0: Uh, The director you mentioned, Ricardo Frida. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I think this may be the first time he's been mentioned on Monster Kid Radio, but again, he's one of these filmmakers that was introduced to me through my association with Dorado Films. He's actually an Egyptian director. Or he's of Egyptian birth, but he directed mostly in Italy, and did some work on Kaltiki. He wasn't the only guy to do Kaltiki. Mario Bava did some work on that as well. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, if you don't have the Blu-ray of Kaltiki, spoiler alert, it's going to be on the holiday gift guide this year from Monster Kid Radio because it's that good.
2: Well, and if you're like me and have not upgraded to Blu-ray yet, buy it anyway because the DVD's with it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and the DVD looks really good too.
0: The transfer is great. It's the best Kaltiki's ever looked. Oh, like, for God, years, it's gorgeous. Kaltiki has been a victim of sitting in those Mill Creek box sets, mm-hmm. and the transfer for those really isn't the best. I mean, they worked with what they had, but somebody went through and spent some real time making that looked. Really good. Yeah. So yeah. Ricardo Frida uh, was involved with that. hmm he, he was also involved in a movie called I, Vampiri, or Lust of the Vampire, which, mm-hmm. again, Mario Baba came in and did some work on as well, which has a great score, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've seen it once, but I've listened to the soundtrack repeatedly because it's got a really good score.
2: He also did The Horrible Mr. Hitchcock with Barbara Steele. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So you've got that. You've got a movie called Tragic Ceremony, starring Camille Keaton from I Spit on Your Grave. Or, oh, yeah, oh. I Spit on Your Grave. Yeah. yeah. Which is a really weird film, but good, really mm-hmm. good. A lot of times he'd use the name Robert Hampton, or at least that was the name that was given to him when his films were released in international markets. But he used the director of this film, which I didn't realize he had done some sword and sandal type movies. But I guess being a genre guy in Italy at that time, yeah, you, know, you, you just kind of did it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like being a contract player at Universal in the 50s. You ended up being in a monster movie. That's just kind of how it was.
2: Yeah, I think so. But anyway, Magista lifts up the tree and journeys into hell. And I thought the hell sequences were pretty damn good. They look good.
0: In, in the last conversation, I mentioned the uh, the bird picking at the guy's stomach and mm-hmm. blood that was from the witch's curse and that was pretty intense actually i actually had to back up and look at it again because i thought no i i didn't say wow that's <laughs> yes. awesome that's that's pretty intense
2: yeah no it was it was you know when he first goes down there and he sees the the what i would call the cicely de mill <laughs> panoramic you know religious type scene of hell People on the ground and demons tormenting them. Uh Um, I thought that looked really good. And the reason it looked really good is because they filmed it in um, a place in the province of Bari called the Castellana. Go
0: ahead and try to pronounce this. I was wondering if you're going to try. Go ahead.
2: (laughs) Castellana Caves. I probably... Butchered the hell out
0: of that. Yeah, this, this is a, a real series of caves in Italy that is a tourist attraction to this day. Yes, Cassiana Grotte, uh, Castle Grotto mm-hmm. in Italy, and Barre Apulia, Italy. I have no idea where that's at, no. other than it's somewhere in Italy. And uh, this is one of, I believe, at least three films that was shot using this location. Mm-hmm. This may have been the first, or at least on, again, the Oracle, that is the IMDb, it is listed as the first film to have been shot
2: there. Mm-hmm. And and I could understand why they kept going back, because it really looks good. I mean, it's yeah. it's very impressive. And I know if I ever make it to Italy at some point in the future, I'm going to go look up these caves, because they just, it, it looked beautiful on film.
0: It, it really did. And, at least I had a set. No, in this case, at least I had some caves, <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and it was kind of interesting because if you look at some of the people that he encounters there, there's this kind of mix of characters from all of Greek mythology, you know, um, the guy on the stone with the bird pecking out his uh, sight that, Promethi- that was Prometheus, basically. The mm-hmm. Titan that um, gave fire to man and was punished by Zeus, for, by uh and chained to a rock, and a bird peck out his liver every day.
0: And Machiavelli seems to recognize him and wants to help him. He's like, "No, no, no. There's other things you have to do." I'm you
2: know, well, I'm, and not only that, he does take care of the bird,
0: right? But another one's going to turn up. Like, yeah, and, be more and birds. he
2: breaks he breaks the chains and gets the guy off the rock. But you know, he just shows up again. That's his fate. Yep. There's King's. Uh, mm, I'm gonna probably butcher this name too. Siphius, I believe. Um, one okay. of the king yeah, sure. the- <laughs> well he's the king that was cursed by Zeus to be rolling a rock uphill okay. for all eternity and that's one of the first people the machiste meets, really, you know, this guy rolling up a rock.
0: I'm only on two cups of coffee so far in this recording, so uh, my Greek mythology knowledge is going to be a little <laughs> lower than normal. I know it's terrible to take away my Monster Kid card for a moment, but...
2: No, that's okay. I'm-
0: get back to me later this afternoon after I fully caffeinated then I'll tell you <laughs> who that guy
2: was. Yes, I'm I'm very lucky. I'm right next to my coffee maker.
0: Yeah, rub it in, buddy.
2: I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, he fights Goliath. Yeah. What did you think of that sequence?
0: Okay, are you talking about basically watching scenes from better Machiste movies?
2: No, 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 no. The scene where he tries to cross the chasm.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. So I thought that was okay. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it. I think I liked the clips of other Machiste movies better because there are some really cool monsters in those.
2: Uh, Yeah.
0: But no, the Goliath scene was all right. I mean, this is okay. Yeah. This is an interesting vision or version of hell. I mean, we're mixing... Tons of mythology and history, mm-hmm. <laughs> from from Scottish witch burning Puritans, I guess <laughs> to uh, you know Prometheus. I mean, you've got this weird mix of stuff. So why not let hell be this timeless, <laughs> well, realistic, uh, unrealistic place of, of torments and, and monsters and, and horrors?
2: Yeah, but what I was talking about is the way they shot that sequence. Because if you okay. if you really look closely, you know, I mean, they're trying to make it look like goliath is huge yeah they are and so what do they do the scenes where machiste is supposed to interact with goliath on screen they're shooting them very quickly and they're using a if you look real close you'll notice it's a young kid no really it, yeah look at his arms they're not quite as big and bulky as as um the um, um oh gosh what's the actor's name now i forgot again uh,
0: kirk morris. morris yeah
2: yeah He doesn't have the same physique, but it's happening so quick that you have to look. But I thought it was an ingenious way to do it on a low budget.
0: And this is one of the things that I love about some of these lower budget monster movies, whether it's here in the States, in the UK, in Italy, you don't have the budget. So you're forced to get creative.
2: I mean, it's like, wow, that's a good idea.
0: And it, it works. I mean, I have to go back and double check. I didn't realize it was a kid.
2: It's got to be a kid because he's smaller in stature than Goliath. Um, right. But also he's he's thinner than Kirk Morris's. He's not quite as bulky and big. But it works because they're doing it so quickly. It's such rapid edits. And the, the person playing Machiste at those moments is running on and off camera really fast.
0: Fascinating.
2: I'm looking at it going, is that a That looks like a kid. Well, that's a good way to make, you know, Goliath look a lot taller than he probably really is. You know, without trying to do, you know, forced perspective and not have the interaction that this sort of movie demands. Because, you know, I mean, it's a strongman movie. Right. There's a point where, you know, there's going to be a wrestling match. That was, I thought, a great way to film it.
0: I'm going to have to go back and double check. Now, the guy who played the Goliath character is a stuntman. Mm Hmm. Uh, Pietro... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, okay, go board, okay, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, turnabout's fair play, right? Uh yeah. Uh old Petey here. Um, Pietro Kurt <laughs> You know, he did stunts and acted in a number of these movies, a number of westerns, a number of these uh muscle man movies, like you said did a whole bunch of this stuff. I appeared in a number of really cool Westerns. I feel like, uh, things like his name was Holy ghost and a Western that I've never seen, but I love the title. It's in the West. There was a man named invincible.
2: Oh, I love that. That's title. the title.
0: That's the title.
2: Oh man. That's not going to leave much room for an illustration on the poster. You know,
0: you know, I'm looking <laughs> at the poster and, uh, it looks pretty cool. Oh, I'll bet. Anyway. So he's a big guy, I guess is what I'm getting at. And, mm-hmm. By putting a smaller person next to him that's just, you know, a, a child, basically. That, that's awesome.
2: Good, yeah, no, good
0: on you, Ricardo Frida.
2: I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant move because it looks really good. And it's quick enough that unless you're really looking close, you don't see it.
0: Right. Huh.
2: So, you know, bravo.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Talk about the other scenes from other Machista films, though.
2: Oh, um, <laughs> Machista in the Land of the Cyclops. That Cyclops looked pretty good.
0: It looked awesome. Mm -hmm. I I feel like we saw how that movie ends.
2: Uh, Yeah, I think so. But Mm -hmm. uh,
0: that was really cool. So there's this scene where he's basically looking to a lake of fire, right?
2: Yeah. What happened is, hey, once again, the, the witch is in hell. She appears to him as a beautiful woman and he falls in love with her and forgets what he's doing. See, so there's that trope again. I mean, in one DVD package. There you go. <laughs> he comes upon Prometheus, and for being so nice and trying to save Prometheus, Prometheus sets him to the lake of fire to, to free his mind of the witch's spell.
0: Or would you say it's the witch's curse? Ah? Uh? Ah, uh, 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 yeah.
2: Uh, no, mm. okay. um, so, yeah, that's where, that's where we see that. And,
0: yeah, that was pretty cool. You know, it's, it's again, uh, a clever way to save money. Mm-hmm. And we are in a time and an age here. It's the 60s. People don't have VCRs or VHS tapes or DVDs of these movies to go back and watch. Whether they even saw the other films that these scenes are being taken from, who knows. But mm-hmm. by throwing these in here, you instantly have some extra production value by having some other things that are already shot. All you've got to do is process them a little bit to make them look like they're a reflection in a lake.
2: Mm-hmm. And even
0: then... That's not very hard, is it?
2: I would imagine not.
0: You've got three films being referenced here that were released with the American titles, Son of Samson, Atlas in the Land of the Cyclops, and Samson in the Seven Miracles of the World, or Batiste at the Court of the Great Khan.
2: Yes, I love that
0: title. <laughs> Those scenes were awesome. <laughs> The the Cyclops, the Cyclops specifically, I really enjoyed that Cyclops. I thought that looked really good. Forget that it's a different actor playing the muscle man in these. Yeah. It's like Gordon Mitchell playing Atlas from Machista and Atlas in the Land of the Cyclops. (laughs) It's really cool. No, it Uh, was. That that Cyclops was very impressive.
2: Yeah. I I wish they had had a few more really nice monsters like that in this one.
0: You know, and it's watching this movie that got me thinking there are more monsters in these movies than I thought. When I first thought about doing this themed month and and using these movies as part of that coverage, I didn't realize there were so many. I thought, well, you know, a handful of them have monsters, you know, we'll do these. That's great. But watching this one monster movie with a witch mm-hmm. and, and uh, a goliath type, we are shown clips from three other films that also have these fantastical moments in them outside of the obvious, you know, sword and sandal stuff. Mm -hmm. I want to track these movies down. I want to see Atlas against the Cyclops because I want to see more of that Cyclops action.
2: Oh, I know. Same here. It's one of those things where it's like, well, now we have to go hunt those down because, holy cow, that would be awesome.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, depending on how this turns out, maybe September will always be sword and sandal month here on Monster Kid Radio. We'll see. Let, Let me know what you think.
2: No, that would be a great idea. I kind of found the ending a little interesting on this one because it's kind of the spaghetti Western thing. Cause you know, of course, Machista saves the day. Right. And rescues the woman from the stake where her husband has chained himself to as well to suffer her fate.
0: Very interesting. Uh, yeah. And, and a little dark and grim.
2: I know. Wow. Yeah. It's really going there. Yeah. Um, and then he, write, of course, rides off like, uh, you know, nope, I can't stay. I got other places to go. And
0: <laughs> I can't stay here in 1600 Scotland forever, you know. <laughs> I got,
2: I, they need me over in 18th century, but, you know, wherever.
0: Well, that seems to be most true to what you found out about the Machista character, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. That he's this, this heroic type, very pulpy, mm-hmm. very, like you said, uh, kind of spaghetti westerny depending on what you're watching or or superhero like you know i can't i can't say here there's more evil in the world i need to fight
2: if you look at some of the titles of the 1920s movie i mean it's machista as a reporter machista i think they were saying that he was an olympic athlete in another movie they throw him wherever they could
0: i love that idea
2: yeah and i don't think they really worried about time and or, or or you know setting it's just like ah machista's going there
0: is the world ready for a new Machista story? That's what I want to know.
2: Uh, if they do Machista versus Gamera, I think so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somehow I don't think dye or whoever has the rights to Gamera right now would go for that. I know. It's I, I'm too just bad. saying.
2: <laughs> it's too bad. Because that would be awesome.
0: It would be amazing.
2: <laughs> I don't know how they'd make it work,
0: but wow. I, I have no idea. No idea.
2: No. No. No idea. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I mean, I think the appeal to uh, for me to The Witch's Curse over, uh, don't get me wrong, Hercules Against the Moon Men, great movie, loved okay. it a lot. But just the wackiness that is The Witch's Curse, that first 15 minutes when we were talking about this uh, DVD pack, I, w- I told you, it's like you're watching a Hammer film, and all of a sudden a sword and sandal character rides in, you know?
0: I don't know if I'd go as far as Hammer, but maybe like a Hammer knockoff.
2: Well, no, you know. Yeah, I know.
0: But but no, I know what you mean. It's got that, you know, Twins of Evil type setting, yes, right? Yes. Which I love. Oh, and yeah. Twins of Evil is one of my favorite Hammer films. It's probably not my top five, but it's pretty darn close. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> which is a movie that's got a score that sounds like a Western, but that's besides something. I love
2: that score. Oh, yeah.
0: Good stuff. <laughs> So it's got this kind of pseudo-Gothic-y, puritanical, witches are bad, thing. well, thing. Yeah, you know, we're going to bur- burn her! You know, it, I, I liked that a lot. And I love horror stories in that mold, whether it's Twins of Evil right. or Witchfinder General or, or things along, along those lines. So I did receive, you know, I think you changed my mind. <laughs> I think I like The Witch's Curse more now, too.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, like I said. You it's, know, it's so bizarre. It's, it, I mean, you're just kind of like going all over the place with this movie.
0: And they use those caves to maximum effect. Oh, God. It's like great sequences in those, those caves. If nothing else, watch this film for the caves. I wish there was a better transfer of it available.
2: I know. I do, too. The doors he has to open that are burning. Yes. That was brilliant and really looked good. Yeah. You know, and how he gets into these, you know, iron doors that are on fire was pretty clever.
0: It was Pretty neat. I liked that a lot. I liked, um, I want to make sure I'm not confusing them again. He pushes a bunch of rampaging cows off a cliff. Is that in this one?
2: Yeah, that is this one. Okay. That's, that kind of is a cringe moment.
0: It's a cringe moment. I mean, obviously one of the cows is not real. I mean, it's it's a stuffed animal, as is one of the birds that he destroys. Yeah. But, but the idea of, okay, let's see. He's in hell. He can fight a Goliath. Hey, I know! Stampede! <laughs> what? Yeah, you
2: know, and, you know.
0: Of all the things.
2: And they're <laughs> going to run him off a cliff, but, you know, mm, no. And I mean, <laughs> there's that scene where he's with the avalanche he's caught in. Right. That was really pretty impressive, too. It's all foam boulders and stuff. But he's rolling down that hill pretty damn good.
0: He's not as good an actor as Alan Steele. No,
2: and he doesn't have that natural charisma that Steele seemed to have. Steele just made you want to watch him. Yeah. Where this guy, it's like, I'm more interested in the surroundings. Yeah. <laughs> He's kind of yeah. bland.
0: And, well, I mean, we liked the, the villain. Queen Samara is pretty. D- I'm sorry, that's uh Moonman. Sorry. Yes. Uh, but no, I mean I like the villain in this. I like the idea of it. I, I liked the makeup mm-hmm. of the witch. The makeup of that. Oh yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool.
2: Yeah, there is a moment where they do have real cows going over a phony cliff.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: and that's kind. Of, that was the cringy moment I had. It's like you know, oh, that's not gonna be good
0: no and i mean it is what it is it's part of the history of cinema yeah we talk about this on the show off and on every time we talk about a dinosaur picture for example when we talked about the land unknown the you know let's make the lizards fight each other and really fight each other and really go at it Mm -hmm. It, it's it's cringeworthy it's unfortunate that it's happened it would never happen today that way and that's a good thing and that's a very good thing
2: Mm
0: -hmm. uh but to their credit like I said, I know one of the birds, at least, it looked stiff like it was a stuffed animal. And one of the cows looked stiff like it was a, a dummy of some sort.
2: Yeah, I think the heads, um, when he's holding them off with the log, were definitely, um, there were a few fake ones in there. Yeah. And the bird definitely, when he threw it against the wall, I don't think y- You can tell. That, yeah, yeah that, was, that, was, that was a fake, or at least stuffed.
0: Yeah, it was something. I, it wasn't a real animal being thrown against the wall for a film
2: hmm yeah. Which, yeah, which, you know, that's okay.
0: Yeah, which is fine. It's all yeah. good. It's all, it's all good. good.
2: But yeah, I mean, just, just the inventiveness of how crazy that
0: film got. Yeah.
2: That, to me, was the one that pushed it above the Moon men.
0: I think you're right. Yeah. I'm going to go, yeah, I'm changing my opinion here. I think this one is a better film, and I think part of the issue that I had is I watched Witch's Curse first with that less-than-seller transfer and then went to... Hercules against the Moon Men, which has a decent transfer for what it is, you yeah. know, for a movie that's packaged onto a DVD with another feature-length film with a bunch of other stuff, the transfer held up and it looked pretty decent. And because I watched it more recently and comparing it to the sometimes muddy sequences in The Witch's Curse, but, oh yeah, you know, I guess when you get past that, it's a more interesting film.
2: That that's it. The Moon Men follows pretty basic A B C D bit. You know, right. it's like okay, okay, okay. This one's kind of, like, all over the place. Where are we going now?
0: <laughs> a, B, Delta, Pi, 7. Yeah, I was like, what? I don't understand what's happening. Wait, wait, wait. What are you doing? And what is it with these films with casting a French actress as the villain? Um, I don't know. Helene Colleen Chanel as, as one of the, the female leads in mm-hmm. The Witch's Curse, who is stunning. I mean, her oh, yeah. killer eyes. I mean, oh, that's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. But,
2: no wonder Matista forgot what he was doing.
0: <laughs> uh, she did appear in some other movies as well of this type, Samson and the Seven Miracles of the World, for example. Uh, she did a number of Spaghetti Westerns, some Euro Spy, things like that. Uh, she no longer acts. I don't know if she's still with us. I think she is, but uh, she stopped in the mid to late 70s.
2: It seems to be a common thread with a lot of the, the people who were in front of the camera in these you know once the craze went away they just stopped right and i'm not sh- i'm not sure why you know it would be interesting to find out
0: so uh you know if you're listening helene you know please call in and <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i'd love to chat with you <laughs> you know in french <laughs> <laughs> oh, all man. right then. yeah on that note uh <laughs> Both of these movies, as far as I'm concerned, get a big thumbs up from Monster Kid Radio. I enjoyed Hercules Against the Moon Men because I loved Alan Steele.
2: (laughs) Yes, and that's how you should say his name, Alan Steele.
0: Always. (laughs) Oh, that was really good. I've always said you've had a voice for podcasting. That was awesome, my friend. That was (laughs) awesome. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) But in terms of interesting, I think The Witch's Curse does hold a lot more interest because it's just so... All over the place. It's like the ultimate fan fiction. I love it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. (laughs) If you look at the writing credits for both of these movies, both of them had four people credited with the story. I'm not quite sure why you needed four people on Hercules Against the Moon men. But it's pretty obvious everybody had different ideas on uh, the witch's curse because
0: wow. I do wonder if some of the multiple credits for these films or any of these films, some of it might be the original Italian version of the film, and then did they bring somebody else in to rewrite the film in English for dubbing? Because a lot of times oh, the dub isn't oh. always exactly the same. So I do wonder if some of that might have happened. I don't know. I
2: that, that I could have no be idea. that could be yeah. I don't know. I could see four people in a room with the witch's curse. What do we do now? Let's do this. Oh, okay. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That could be very interesting.
0: (laughs) Very cool though. Uh, I'm so glad you brought these up. Kind of just like, Oh, by the way, I watched these movies, Derek. Uh, I was like, Oh, right. Right on. Let's talk (laughs) about them. This is fun. Now, obviously you're part of the show i mean you're a semi-regular here you've been on the show from the very beginning the very first episode
2: yeah wow
0: i i don't think i don't know i think by the time this episode goes out the panel would have already happened yep it did so thanks for being part of the panel at rose city comic con (laughs) you're quite welcome
2: (laughs) and i i Uh, I'm so looking. Oh wait, it's I was so looking forward to being. I'm so glad I was there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome, wasn't it? I know the best part was my. I don't know. (laughs) I'm assuming it was great, and uh, there will be a recording of it that will go out on the show in the future. However, if people want to catch up with Chris, in the meantime, as always, check out ShadowOverPortland.blogspot.com. It is September, which means the next month is. Well, (laughs) our time, our time, which means Chris is going to be really busy with Shadow Over Portland website, because this is where you're going to find everything you want to know horror related happening in not just the Portland, Oregon area, but the Pacific Northwest, even creeping up into Canada. He's got it covered.
2: Yeah. And it's not just horror. Yeah. I'm also doing sci-fi and fantasy. You know, if they start showing, um, you know, the witch's curse or Hercules against the moon, Men. You know I'm going to put it on there.
0: <laughs> hey, it's your website. You do what you want to do.
2: You yeah. got it. And I will be there. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Because these movies on the big screen. Oh, yeah.
0: And then somewhere else that he's going to be. It's been confirmed. Yeah. He is also yes. going to be a guest at this year's HP Lovecraft Film Festival on Cthulhu Con. Con happening Con, uh, Con. beginning of October. I believe it's the first weekend of first October. First weekend in
2: October. And I don't know the date on it. Uh, October
0: 6th through the sixth. 8th.
2: Yes. Yes. Oh, God, that's going to be fun. I always love that.
0: Oh, the Lovecraft Film Festival is the highlight of one of the highlights for the year for me. You know, October doesn't officially start until that happens. This year, the primary guest, the special guest, the big dog, well, it's Chris. And then after that <laughs> is F. No, Paul. No, it's you. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> but after that, it's F. Paul Wilson.
2: Oh, yeah, I read that. That's That's going to be
0: awesome. He's going to be the featured guest. He's, of course, the man behind The Keep. Uh, mm-hmm. as well as the uh, the Repairman Jack novels and a number of other things. So very cool, very excited about seeing him there. Obviously, there's going to be more panels, readings, feature films, short films, and who knows what else, what kind of mm-hmm. madness they'll come up with. But stay tuned to this show because, I mean, I'm going to talk about it here, but go to HPLFilmFestival.com to follow along there as well.
2: And I'll be putting updates on The Shadow over Portland as well, so... As soon as 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 I find out who else is there, it goes on the site. Because if you're in the Portland area on that weekend, you've got to go.
0: You can't miss this, man. And you've got to buy your tickets in advance. I I love that they've upgraded the seats in the Hollywood Theater a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. But it did shrink the capacity a little bit because the seats are a little bit bigger. So not as many seats. And they really do enforce the fire code in the upper screens. So really, if you want to get in, get your tickets early and plan on spending some time there it's a wonderful experience even if you're not a huge Lovecraft fan you're going to find lots of stuff to love here
2: oh yeah it's it's not just Lovecraft it's everything that's come from his work that other people have done as well
0: right it's not just watching Reanimator over and over and over again Mm -hmm. you you get uh, Nightbreed like you said they brought that in then you get Mm -hmm. uh, a movie called what's it called Alien Raiders Oh, yeah. That I think was that's what one. it was. That's a really good yeah. one, and it's not overtly Lovecraft either. I mean, you get some really interesting movies here. Some of my favorite movies I've seen here, uh, they did a documentary about Robert E. Howard days a few years ago, all called Barbarian Days, which was just phenomenal. And, I mean, it's just a great time.
2: And the short film festival blocks are just sometimes amazing stuff.
0: Some of the best just, movies just, you're going to see here in the short, yeah, the short yeah. film blocks. I mean,
2: not, not sometimes – they're, they go from really good and entertaining to just something jaw-dropping. Yeah. There's nothing lower than really good.
0: Yeah. Agreed. So check that out. That's some free advertising for Brian and Gwen Callahan and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. They do a good job. Gets the Monster Kid Radio seal of approval every time.
2: Shadow of a Portland seal of approval, too.
0: Anyway, Chris, thank you for being part of the show again. I appreciate all the work you've put into being on MKR and promoting and sharing and everything. It means a lot to have you on board from the beginning, man. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you for having me back on. And you know, it's always a joy coming out. Uh, or, Well, yeah, coming out. No, we're just on Skype.
0: <laughs> I, I understand.
2: But uh, it's always a joy hanging out with you, spending some time, talking great movies. And thank you for having me.
0: Huge thanks to Chris for being part of the Monster Kid Radio. You know, I'm going to call it a legacy. Like I said, he's been there from the very beginning. He was willing to be my first guest, my first podcasting partner for Monster Kid Radio back on episode number one back in 2013 at the Wonder Northwest Convention, which doesn't exist anymore. I'd like to think that Monster Kid Radio just kind of Blew it out, and I don't think we had anything to do with it, actually. But it was a lot of fun to talk with Chris again here on the show. And I mentioned the panel. So we did the Universal Unite panel at the Rose City Comic Con that happened last weekend Chris McMillan was on the panel with me. I had a blast having him on board. Jeff Dean, semi-regular podcaster from the Kaiju cast and a guy who's got something in the works with a few other people that I can't wait to hear about, or at least hear when they get their podcast up and running. And Dominique Lamsey, she was the other guest, and she's actually going to be on the show next week. More about her in a little bit. It was awesome to have people there and just talking about Universal's a classic, original, cinematic shared universe and what's going on with Dark Universe, that sort of thing. Shout out to Jessica Dwyer, who shared some stories about her writing an article about The Mummy for Horror Hound magazine and the things that she went through shout out to tom Doffel for really helping me out being my tech guy being my con buddy just really helping me out with a lot of things and shout out to rick myers it was good to see you in person man it's been way too long and shout out to any of you guys and gals who were there as well if you are just now discovering the show because of the panel welcome aboard i'm glad to have you and for those of you who didn't make the panel i did record it and if the audio checks out i'll be putting it out as an episode down the line
1: For the first time on the screen Hercules Unchained See the Mammoth War of Chariots See the Unchained Hercules win the Battle of Giants See in color Hercules Unchained Doesn't it seem strange for the doctor to bury his wife in his laboratory? Yes, but you must admit the good doctor's a little strange himself, isn't he? The good doctor is more than a little strange. He's a lot loony, and he gets more so with every cute corpse he chalks up, and every beautiful bride he boxes in. Scary ghosts, black cats, Secret doors, but what more do you want? Well, there is more, even more horrible hanky panky than you can imagine. In the horrible Doctor Hitchcock, in blood red, ghost green, turned blue with cold fright color.
0: Interested in starting a podcast?
2: Then be sure to attend PIY twenty seventeen. PIY is the Podcast It Yourself Workshop,
0: October twenty eighth in Phoenix, Arizona. Learn about software, hardware, accessories, best practices, and more to make your podcast rock. Need more information? We'll have the authors of Podcasting for Dummies 3rd Edition, T. Morris, and Chuck Tomasi on hand to answer questions and sign books. Spaces are limited, so go to podcastingfordummies.com and sign up for P.I.Y. 2017. We look forward to seeing you there. Sword and Sandals and Monsters Month continues on Monster Kid Radio next week when we have two guests. So it's not just going to be me. I'm going to be joined, like I said earlier, by Dominique Lamzees. You can find her at the University of the She's going to join me to talk about a movie with Rod Barnett, fellow podcaster, the man behind The Bloody Pit of Rod, and of course, one of the co hosts of the Nashi cast. He, Dominique, and I are going to get together to talk about a Christopher Lee movie, a Mario Bava movie. We're going to talk about Hercules in the Haunted World.
1: Foreboding place of no return. Hercules in the Haunted World. An unearthly world of eternal darkness. Ghostly kingdom of the undead demons of death these horrifying, hideous creatures of evil, Hercules and his friend must save their doomed kingdom and the women they love. Joker, Hercules wants something. He always wants something. But when I return, I'll never leave you again. This I promise you. Hercules and Theseus battle treacherous, monstrous forces of evil in the forbidden depths of a haunted underworld. I stone you shall be
0: destroyed.
1: I will serve you as your
0: slave as long as you live. Save me. I've been. Stop. You. It's a trap. Don't trust the shadows of Hades. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nefarious, fiendish Lyco, mastermind of terror. Must be destroyed. Reg Park as the heroic Hercules in the haunted world.
0: You've heard them here in the show. You heard them last week. You're going to keep hearing them the rest of the month. I've gone through and I've tried to track down as many of these Sword and Sandal trailers as I can. And, man, they're just goofy fun. I love them. Almost as much as I love the monster movie trailers. I hope you enjoyed that as well and keep enjoying them as I play them this month on the show. And then, again, maybe even next year if we continue Sword and Sandal's and Monsters Month every September. Like I said earlier with Chris, let me know if that's something that you want to do, and you know how you can let me know? You like that segue? You can call us and leave us a voicemail at area code 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. I'd love to hear what you have to say about The Witch's Curse, Hercules Against the Moon Men, or the movie we've got coming up next week, Hercules in the Haunted World, or the movie we're going to be talking about at the end of the month, Goliath and the Vampires, with guest Alan Trump. You can also email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Again, any feedback, anything you want to talk about, send it in. We'll make you a part of of the show. Of course, this is available over at monsterkidradio.net where you can find links to everything else you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes, including a link to our T-Public store where you can buy t-shirts supporting Monster Kid Radio and pay attention to T-Public because and they keep doing these sales. Right now, as of this recording, they're selling their t-shirts for $14. Goes up a little bit if you get into the big 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 sizes, but 14 bucks for a t-shirt for a Monster Kid Radio t-shirt, come on. Anyway, check that out. You can also check out our Patreon campaign and become a patron of Monster Kid Radio and help support the show that way. We're also going to make sure there's a link to the Kickstarter campaign for the HP Lovecraft Film Festival and Cthulhu Con that's happening this year. Now, the Kickstarter campaign actually expires on Friday. It comes to an end. But if you want to help support the film festival, there are a few film festivals out there in the world that get me going. The way the Lovecraft one does. This is such an amazing time. This year's theme is Cthulhu Mardi Gras. They're going to bring some New Orleans flavor up here to the Portland, Oregon area. Did I say that right for anybody in the area? New Orleans, not New Orleans, New Orleans flavor. It's going to be a blast. I'm going to be a guest. Chris is going to be a guest. And I think Dominique is actually on the guest list as well. So, hey, if you want to help support the festival and get in, make sure you get a ticket go to the Kickstarter campaign and help them out let them know that monster kid radio sent you. And before we wrap up one last thing last week on me TV, Svengoolie broke out of the universal wheelhouse. Some might call it a jailhouse because they has been showing so many universals over and over and over again. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's nice to have a little bit of variety and, You know what? Sven called me and said, Derek, what are you doing on Monster Kid Radio this month? And I said, Sven, buddy, pal, how'd you get my number? Doesn't matter. I'm doing sword and sandal movies. And he said, you know what, Derek? That sounds like a great idea. So last weekend, he showed the movie hercules against medusa or the son of hercules against Medu- the invisible perseus it's got so many different names but he showed a sword and sandal movie starring richard harrison which has got one of the coolest sword and sandal monsters in it i'm not talking about it this year during sword and sandals month maybe next year but man the medusa in that film is so cool and it was awesome to see sven cover it and in that episode Terry from It's Terrific makes an appearance. She met Sven at a convention, presented him with a custom messenger bag. He highlighted it on the show and included a picture of him being given the bag by Terry. How cool is that? We had a Monster Kid Radio listener appear on Sven Goolie's program. Awesome. Good on you, Terry. So jealous. All right, that's it. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution (gasps) Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Casa Roja. It is from the band His Master's Voice, a really cool surf spaghetti instrumental since we've kind of band out of San Francisco, California, it's from their self-titled album, which you can find at his hismastersvoice.sf.bandcamp.com or Facebook. Let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. Talk to everybody next week. My name's Derek M. Cook. Ciao. <laughs>